Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Today's the, the first weekend of 2019. You know, next year's 2020. When I was a young man, 2020, there were sci-fi movies made about 2020. And we're nearly there. It's like, woo, It's like, my goodness, I can't believe that we're living in the sci-fi age for real, that we're actually here. And it's going to be really closing in on us fast. But while I was praying this week about uh, our first service, God's already given us a prophetic word as a church for uh, this coming year. It's double. And I know that sounds trite, and I really try and stay away from trite sayings. But every year, the Lord whispers a word into my spirit prophetically about what he's going to do. Last year was rising tide. We saw tremendous growth in our church. Half our church is missing today, but that's okay. It's the start of the year. And we saw God move in powerful ways as the tide rose over many of our lives. You know, and as the, as, as the tide rises, if you're sitting in a boat, guess what happens when the tide rises? We all all rise. We all rise together. And, uh, and God is going to uh, unfold to us that prophetic meaning of double because it's got so much more meaning than, oh yeah, I'm going to get double the money this year. God's going to give me double the pay rise. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a lot more other stuff as the Lord unfolds that. But I'm not going to focus on that today. I want to talk to you today about hitting the reset button in your life. Hitting the reset button in your life. Most of us are familiar now. You know, if you've got an app on your phone and, uh, and uh, either something happens to the data or you don't quite like what's going on in that app, you can hit the reset button and it'll give you a brand new start. It's like a stopwatch. When you hit the reset button on a stopwatch, what does it go back to? Zero, 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 zero. And uh, I want to encourage you through the prophetic word of the Lord this morning. As I bring this message in three areas, core areas of every Christian's life, our chief calling and core areas of our life, I want you to encourage you today, if the Lord speaks to you in regards to any of these things, to be bold enough to hit the reset button and start again over 2019. Which is interesting, as Viv was sharing with us today, she hadn't read my notes, which I always find interesting. And what do we want to do when we hit the reset button? We don't want to just hit reset and hope for the best. We're not that kind of people. We have an internal GPS system. It's, he's called the Holy Spirit. We have on board all that we need for life and godliness. We're not alone. Wherever you go as a Christian, you take the Spirit of God with you. He's with you always. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So when you hit the reset button, what you're saying to yourself is, is God, I'm available to walk this walk that you've called me to in a different way and a new way. If you don't like what you got in 2018, then please don't carry on without making any changes because you're going to get exactly the same as what you got last year. It's time to hit the reset and expect who's believing for something different, something better, something new, something greater in your life over the course of 2019. When we hit the reset button, we're hitting the reset button to further align ourselves with the purpose for that we have been made. Our lives are to be purpose 
driven. You are here for a reason today. You are here for a specific purpose over your life. The worst kind of life is a purposeless life. A life where we're just drifting from day to day, from week to week, without having any internal drive and reason for our existence. That's what we used to be like before we met Christ. But it's different now that we've met him. Met him. Let, me, you know, let, let me ask you a question. Why do you think God made you today? Well, here's what Revelation 4 says. You, God, created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. The number one purpose that you were made is for God's pleasure. He enjoys you. He loves you. Muck and all. Sin and all. Stained and all. Faults and all. Warts and all. God still has an everlasting, unconditional love for you. And the Word of God says He made you for His enjoyment and for His pleasure today. Wow. He made me to enjoy me? I need to, I need to get that into my spirit this morning, that I've been created to be loved by God. If I take my orientation from this day forward and understanding that deeply in my spirit that God made me to enjoy me and He made me to love me, that's going to change a lot of the way that I go about handling my stuff over 2019. And so worship is the flip side of that. He made me to love me. Worship, flip that around and says, I'm made to love Him. I've been created by God to worship Him and love Him forever. And we have three core ministries as a Christian. Number one is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two is to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said these two things, the whole of the Old Testament, the whole of the law, rests on these two commandments. Isn't that an amazing thing? But there's a third one that we're going to touch on today, and that is that we need to learn to love ourselves. Some of us need to like ourselves. Yeah, come on. Just a little bit. <laughs> it's going to help other people around you if you like you. Come on now. So often we struggle to love others because we don't like me. We don't like ourselves. And Jesus said that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. How are you doing there? Matthew 22, 27, Jesus was speaking to a smart lawyer, and Jesus said to him, he was saying, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Notice it's not a suggestion. This is not the first and great suggestion. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. And so he was saying to this guy, here's what you are supposed to do in life. You're supposed to love me back. I've created you for my pleasure. I've made you to enjoy you. And now your response to that is, I want you to learn how to love me back and make that a first priority within your life today. 
Maybe this is the first area that we need to learn to reset today. The problem is, and this is really what worship is all about, but the problem is, is what do you give a God who has everything? Maybe some of you struggled to find Christmas presents for someone this year. Oh man, what am I going to buy them? They've got everything they need. This is such a hard job to do. Well, what do you give a God who owns the world, put the stars in place, created the universe? What do you do? He made everything, everyone, every living thing that's on the planet. What do you give back to him? I'll tell you what you give back to him. You give him your worship. You give him your worship. You give back to him your love. And he's very specific on how we can do that. In Mark 12, Mark the Apostle, the disciple, says this. His version adds another little dimension to it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So God wants me this year to hit the reset button in this department of learning how to love him three ways. The first way is this. He says, I want you to love me thoughtfully. I want you to love me with your mind. I want you to think about how you're loving me. I want you to put some thought into how you're loving me. Don't just go along with religious traditions. Maybe you're here today, and I'm glad that you are, but you're here today maybe out of habit. That's cool. But in the midst of your habit, did you think about why you decided to come to the house of the Lord today? Did you think about why it was that you wanted to come and love God in amongst the gathering of His people today? Have you put any thought into Monday? How are you going to love Him tomorrow? Come on. Secondly, he says this. I want you to love me passionately. I want you to love, you, love me with your heart. I want a bit of heart in your love. I'm not into robotics. Come on. I'm into heart and soul this morning. I want to see some desire, some passion. Because I love you passionately, God says. I want you to put some passion and desire into your love for me. And the third thing, he says, I want you to love me practically. I want you to love me with all your strength, with your abilities. I've given you and entrusted each one of you with abilities that are called gifts. And every person has at least one. Most of us have got more than one. Can I hear an amen this morning? And so there's some practical ways you can love God with what He has endowed and gifted and entrusted into your life with today. So the truth about this, friends, this morning is this. Even though God's created everything we see around us, and it's an amazing world, the more I travel, the more I'm just left with my mouth wide open going, whoa. You made this, God. This is absolutely incredible. But I want to tell you, there's three things that God doesn't have unless you're willing to give them to Him. The first one, the first one is our attention. How, does it, how, how, does, how do we, we give God attention? By thinking things through. By utilizing this, this mind, this wonderful mind that he's given him. When you focus your mind, you focus your attention on God. God wants your attentiveness. He wants your attention. He doesn't want you to drift through 2019 
without engaging your thoughts. You know, God has thoughts. He says, I've got plans to prosper you. Amen? He's got thoughts. In fact, the psalmist said this, the number of God's thoughts that he thinks towards each one of us are like the sand on the seashore. In other words, they are innumerable. They are without number. Isn't that incredible? That's how many thoughts God has towards each one of us. How can that be? Well, he's not a human. He's God. He's infinite. His ways are past finding out. But he's constantly thinking about you, for you, towards you. Now he says, can I just have some attention? Give me your mind. Love me with your mind today. The second thing that he doesn't have unless you give it to him is your affection. Your heart and soul, your passion, your desire. And the third thing is our ability. Loving God with our strength. Hosea the prophet said this in six, verse 6. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I want a connection. I don't want your religious deeds and acts. I want your love. I want your heart today. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me, the prophet says. Wow. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. You know, the devil's the master at distraction. Have you ever thought about that? Every time you say, right, I'm going to worship God. At home, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the Word. Do you know how many innumerable distractions come your way? And, and how when you go to pray and stuff and all this stuff starts invading your mind. Listen, take a pencil and a pad and write down every distraction so there is no more distractions left. Now it's you and God. The devil can't annoy you anymore with those distractions. You've just emptied them out on your pencil onto that piece of paper so that you can love God attentively with affection, with ability today. You know, I've been married coming up 31 years. In fact, this year, is our April the 2nd, will be our 31st wedding anniversary, and it'll be our 30th ministry anniversary. I can't believe I've been in preaching the gospel for 30 years. That is just the grace of God. But I've been married for 30 years, and I don't know, well I do know actually, I won't even tell you, but I know that if I walked up to my wife one day and I said to her, honey, here's some flowers for you, and I'm giving you these flowers for three strategic reasons. <laughs> Number one, I am your husband. Number two, it's our anniversary, very logical. Number three, husbands are supposed to give wives their flowers, so I'm giving these flowers to you. Thank you, honey. <laughs> you know what would happen? She would slap me. She would slap me. She doesn't want my duty. She doesn't want my logical reasons for giving her flowers. She wants my heart. She wants my desire. She wants my passion. Do you get the point this morning, church? You know... The Bible says that everything can be turned into an act of worship. Look at this from the message translation. I love the way the message translates Romans 12.1. Take your everyday ordinary life, 
You're sleeping, eating. That's the one you're going back to tomorrow, by the way. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. As a what? As an offering. Offering is the essence of worship. Worship doesn't only happen in a church service on a Sunday morning. Worship doesn't only happen when a small group gathers to study the scriptures. Friends, worship happens, real worship happens when we offer up our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength before the Lord. And so this is how it works, friends. It means that our ordinary routine, everyday life can be turned into a life of worship. So tomorrow... Tomorrow, oh, when's rubbish day? Rubbish day is Tuesday. To the glory of God, I can take out my rubbish. To the glory of God, I can make the bed in the morning. Yeah. To the glory of God. <laughs> Walked into that one, didn't I? To the glory of God, I can clean out the garage. <laughs> Everything we can do can be turned into an act of worship. Now, if you decide, if you decided today, this is what can happen to you tomorrow, if tomorrow is your first day of going back to work, even though you might have been working at that place for 1, 2, 10, 20 years, tomorrow you can go back to work with a new boss. His name is the Lord God Almighty. And you can work as unto the Lord. And in some of the parts of your job that may seem a little bit boring and a little bit mundane, you can turn them into an act of worship by saying, Jesus, I'm working and I'm serving as unto you, and I'm loving you by doing the best that I can at my job, and I'm, I'm offering it up as an act of worship before the God. Can you give the Lord a hand for that today? So our second core ministry is to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love others. Did you know today that the Bible tells us that we can measure our love for God? Oh, goodness me, don't tell me that. I suppose, Pastor James, you've got a love-ometer in your pocket that you can just connect up and measure how you're doing with your love for God today. Well, almost. Almost. If I had a New Testament that I could put in my pocket, that would be true. Because this is what the Apostle John, who was also known as the Apostle of Love, the one that leant on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper, this is what the Apostle John says. He says, if someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. He's a what? He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Reset, reset, reset on this one. Can you do yourself a favor at the start of this year and understand that the vertical of your affection, your love, your ability, your desire towards God is hinging on the horizontal of your relationships with others. Jesus said, if you do not forgive men, I cannot forgive you. And I know, and I've been, because I've been a pastor for three decades, I have had the most horrendous confessions from people who have been victims of the most horrendous, and they are crimes, many of them crimes, that have taken place in their life.
But you know what? If we don't learn to forgive, we're going to continue to be a victim for the rest of our lives. And that when we learn to forgive others with God's strength, God will set you free from that prison cell of unforgiveness. And He will give you the ability to love others. How can, we measure our, how, how can we measure our love for God? We can measure our love for God by how we love others. That's the love-ometer. You can fast for 21 days. You can read the Bible through three times in a year. You can have three small groups running every week that you're leading. You can be doing great acts of devotion towards the Lord. But if you're not loving others, you're not loving God is what the Apostle John says. I've shared this story once before, but I thought it appropriate to share it in the context of this message. The New York Times reported this in March the 27th, 1964, because it was a stain on the nation of America. At approximately 3.20 on the morning of March 13th, 1964, just before I was born, praise God. 28-year-old Kitty Genovese was returning to her home in a nice middle-class area of Queens, New York. Queens, New York. She parked her car in a nearby parking lot. She turned off the lights and started walking to her second-floor apartment some 35 yards away. She got as far as the streetlight when a man grabbed her. She screamed. Lights went on in the 10-floor apartment building nearby. She yelled, oh my God, he stabbed me. Please help me. Windows opened in the apartment building and a man's voice shouted, Let that girl alone. The attacker looked up, shrugged, walked off down the street. Ms. Genovese struggled to get to her feet. Lights went back on in the apartment. Lights went back off in the apartments and the attacker came back and stabbed her again. Again she cried out, I'm dying, I'm dying. And again the lights came on, the windows opened in many of the nearby apartments. The assailant again left and got into his car and drove away. Ms. Genovese staggered to her feet as the city bus drove by. It was now 3.35 a.m. The doorway at the foot of the stairs, uh, sorry, the attacker returned once again. He found her in the doorway at the foot of the stairs and he stabbed her a third time, this time with a fatal consequence. It was 3.50 a.m. when the police received the first call. They responded quickly and within two minutes were at the scene. But Ms. Genovese was already dead. It's kind of a picture of the world we live in now. And if we're to truly love others as we love ourselves, would you want to become a victim like this lady when nobody came to her aid because nobody cared enough? I'm sure people were scared. I'm sure people were frightened. But when the call came into the police, within two minutes they turned up. And there's people all around you and all around me right now that can do with some help. They need somebody to love on them. They need somebody to make a difference in their life. And that somebody is you. I remember years ago, we were at the, uh, down in Papama. We used to minister in Tauranga for 12 years. My children were young and we took them out to the beach one day and uh, being the man of the house I had to you know, be the donkey and they loaded me up with all the gear and I took all the gear down to the beach 
And uh, I, could, I could hear this car revving. I thought, what on earth is going on? So I ran back up, and, uh, and then there was the slapping sound. And I walked up over the hill, and I could look out over into the car park, and there was these young men. There was a little old lady driving a little Austin Maxi manual, and she was trying to reverse out of the car park, and she couldn't drive very well. And she was revving the heck out of this car, and all these young fellas came around who thought it was hilarious and funny. And they all gathered around her car and started banging on the roof of her car, mocking this little old lady. Then suddenly, this short, dark phantom of the night <laughs> slid across the car park with mama hands on her hips. Hey! Fellas, what do you think you're doing? And I watched my wife walk across the car park into these, all these 20-something young men walking towards them, and then I saw the fear of mama come upon their faces. And as she walked towards them, suddenly they all turned around and started walking in a defiant manner towards her. And suddenly this big, dark, black angel walked over the sand dunes. Some bodybuilder from somewhere... And he just went, hey! And they all looked at him and then they all turned around and walked away. <laughs> What's the point of that story? She did something about what she saw, even though it was a tricky situation. She stepped in, probably not really counting the cost or thinking about what may happen or could happen, because she was angry at the way those young men were treating that poor little old lady. And that day, she made a difference in that little old lady's life. That's what God's called us to do, to love others as he has loved us. And our third and final point this morning is our third ministry is to love ourselves. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And this explains why some of us have difficulty in this area, because some of us don't even like ourselves. Have you ever noticed how much easier it is to love others when you feel happy about who you are? Now, just because you don't feel happy about yourself, that doesn't, that doesn't then qualify you to be excluded from the first and second commandment. But what I'm saying is you, some of you will really struggle. If you have such a poor self-image about you, then you're going to struggle to get involved in other people's lives because of the way your mind has been molded through the events that have happened within your life. So let's just pause for a minute and clarify this point. You know, there's a corrupt sort of self-love that's in the world today. And we know, we've seen it, and uh, that self-love means everything revolves around me, moi, number one. I become number one. All the attention is to be around me. I will push myself forward at any opportunity. I will insist on getting my own way. I demand recognition in every situation. How dare they not recognize me? And I will be arrogant and conceited because I am the man. <laughs> <laughs> that, sort, that sort of love is not the self-love we're talking about today. Praise God. We just need to qualify that this morning. But there is, 
a godly love for ourselves that God wants us to get on board at the start of this year. And this is where we may need to hit the reset button again in this area of our life today. It's a love that when you have it, a self-love, you have, you have a confidence in your life because you know who you are and you know whose you are. Amen? There, there is a strength within you, a strength of character. There is a strength that resonates in your spirit because you know who you are in Christ. And you're able to love yourself because of how God has loved you. And I believe that, that, birth, that comes out of three things. The first thing is it comes out of the fact that you understand that God created you and made you and he doesn't make junk. Amen? If he made you, he doesn't make junk. He's made a fine human being. And secondly, to understand, to have a good self-love image, is that to understand that we are the object of God's love, as I mentioned before. He's pouring out his attention, his focus. He's taking his pleasure and enjoyment out of me, loving on me as a person. And thirdly, to understand that, whoa, he's entrusted me. I am a trustee of gifts that he has put into my life. If he didn't love me, he wouldn't trust me with these things. Trust me on that. That's the truth. And yet each one of us are endowed with incredible things that God has given into your life that you can naturally do that some of us struggle to do. But God's given it to you as a gift. He's entrusted it to you. Therefore, you can have a confidence about who you are and you can love yourself in such a way that you're going to be much better at loving other people and loving your neighbor as yourself. I wonder this morning if some of us have lost sight of that kind of love for ourselves. And I'm going to finish with us focusing on, on the Apostle Peter for a moment. He's a rugged fisherman. He is an untrained, uneducated rough neck sort of a type of a person and he's been following Jesus for three and a half years and he's been there in the garden when Jesus was arrested he even pulled out his sword and chopped the guy's ear off you can kind of see what sort of a person he is act first think second but the mob came and took him away Jesus away and, and the Bible says, Peter followed at a distance. Can I suggest to you, friends, this year, that some of our problems that we may be facing is our proximity to Jesus. He followed Jesus at a distance. Jesus doesn't want you to follow him at a distance. He wants you to be up close and personal. He followed Jesus at a distance. And then some of the young ladies, I thought that's interesting, they recognized him. And they said, we know you, you were, with the, you were with the Galilean. And three times, boldface with cursing and swearing, he's been a close follower of Jesus for three and a half years, so don't worry. If you let the old word slip, you're in good company with uh, Peter. He cursed and swore and denied three times that he knew Jesus Christ. Wow. I want you to think about something for a minute. How do you think he felt? How do you think Peter felt when they took, finally took Jesus away? They whipped him, they beat him, then they crucified him. And that's the last time Peter got to speak up close to Jesus. 
I know how I'd feel. There'll be a self-loathing happening within my heart. How could I do that to my Jesus? How could I do that? Peter wasn't feeling so good about himself anymore. And of course, Jesus died. He was buried in that tomb. But on the third day, Jesus rose again. And the book of John gives us this incredible uh, testimony of how Jesus uh, was on the beach cooking breakfast. And he said to Peter, come here. This is in his resurrected form. And Peter goes and has this personal conversation with Jesus. And this is what Jesus did for him. Three times he asked Peter, do you really love me? Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. You know It's like Peter saying, I've messed up. I know I've made a big mistake. I know that and I'm feeling so bad about it. But God, you've got to know that I still love you. Feed my sheep. Again, Peter, do you really love me? Same process. Last time, third time. Peter, do you really love me? Feed my lambs. This is what Jesus was effectively saying to him. He was saying, Peter, my, even though you denied me three times, even though you denied me with words of cursing and swearing in front of all those people, my love for you has not diminished one iota. My love for you is still as strong as it was when we, the day we first met. I know that you've let me down, but I'll prove my love for you. I'm going to give you a ministry to feed the flock of God. I'm going to give you, I'm going to entrust to you a ministry to be a preacher of righteousness. You're going to feed my sheep. You're going to feed my lambs because I love you with an everlasting love. I want you, Peter, right now to hit the reset button over your life. Start all over again from this point. And I want you to serve me, follow me, and love me and serve me with all of your affection, all of your attention, with all of your abilities. Friends, there's hope for us today. There's hope for us today. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe it's time for us this morning, as the last act of this service today, maybe it's time for us to hit the reset button with how you're loving God, with how you've been loving others. Is there an issue? Is there someone in the way? Is there a relationship? Is there a stick in the mud? Is there something that you need to offload this morning? Maybe some stuff's even happened since we met at Christmas that you're not very proud of. Jesus wants you to hit the reset button. It's called ask for forgiveness and it shall be granted to you today. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Not some unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. You can hit that reset button and start from afresh today to be the person that you are called to be. Could we stand to our feet, church?